0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Hey, it's Steve. As early as the middle of the 10th century, it's believed that the Saxon King Edgar kept a yardstick at Winchester as the official standard of measurement in the Kingdom of England. A traditional tale tells the story of Henry I who, who around the year 1100 decreed that the yard should be the distance from the tip of the king's nose to the end of his outstretched thumb. It wasn't until the reign of Richard the Lionheart that the standardization of units of measurement was first documented in England. In the Assize of Measures in 1196, it was stated that throughout the realm there should be the same yard of the same size and it should be of iron. Later in 1215, the Magna Carta also attempted to standardize measurements throughout the kingdom, although it concentrated on measures of wine and beer. And this same process of standardizing measurements has gone on throughout history all over the world. So why is this important to us today? Well, the reason for standard measurements is so that we all have an agreed upon standard upon which we can compare And this is especially important when we begin to talk about money. However, it gets to be a little bit more complicated when we deal with money. And today we're going to look at the three key things that you need to be aware of and you need to account for as you look to increase the value and raise your prices so that you can be paid more. In this episode, we're going to look at how you deal with pricing from three dimensions. First, we're going to look at How you deal with money and how you think about money, because that ultimately will determine how you approach pricing when it comes to pricing your services and your projects. Next, we're going to look at why clients complain that you're too expensive and what you can do about it. And then third, we're going to look at how you can avoid discounting so that you don't end up feeling as though you've given away your services for less than your worth. So let's start with how we deal with money, how we think about money. I found that our own thinking about money is generally the first barrier to higher fees. We tend to project our ideas, our beliefs, our own thinking about money onto our prospects. And the way that that sort of translates is if we believe that we're expensive, if we believe maybe we're a poor value that will come through. And oftentimes that comes from how we think about the things that we buy ourselves. So if you find yourself looking out and seeing someone who maybe drives a better car or lives in a better house than you and being a little envious or thinking that that's frivolous, you're making a judgment about their perception and use of money, they the, you're making a judgment about what they deem to be valuable, you'll tend to then take those same projections and project them out as you price your services. And so one of the first things that you can do to improve how you approach pricing your own services is to begin to let go of those judgments of the way others value things and just observe what they value without judgment. And I think this is a really important habit to get into. When you look at someone who maybe in the past you would have said um, spent money frivolously, just observe how they spend money without that judgment attached. When you look at something and you think about your own purchases and you want to attach a, a, a judgment to it that it's expensive or that it is cheap, let that judgment go and just observe the pricing. And as you do this, you'll begin to train yourself so that you let go of these ideas that you tend to project on to your prospects. And I find that until you're able to do that, oftentimes you will dramatically undervalue uh, the services that you offer. You'll underprice yourself. Now, as you do this, As you go through, as you reprogram your thinking about money, and you begin to raise your prices, you may have clients that complain that you're too expensive. And you have to understand that, again, this is a judgment that they're making. Oftentimes, we force them into this judgment. And when when you hear that you're too expensive, often what's happening there is that you're giving them a price, you're proposing a fee in a vacuum. I see this happen a lot where you've only got one price that you're offering, in other words, there's nothing for uh, for that prospect to compare to and unlike all of those systems of measurement that we talked about in the opening, where there's now an agreed upon standard for distance, whether it's the foot or the meter or the mile, whether it is a unified value, an agreed-upon value for area, a hectare, or an acre, or for weight. Money is different. Money is essentially how we're going to communicate our our own subjective view of value. And yes, there's somewhat of a standard. There's somewhat of a standard for what a dollar is worth today, but you'll notice that dollars trade up and down; their value goes up and down relative to other currencies. Uh, and and the reason for this is that it is the, the the dollar or or any currency is simply our way to communicate the relative value between things, and that's always in flux. And so, what you've got to understand as you approach this idea of pricing is that unless you set the standard upon which your price should be compared, then your client is going to go out and search for that standard to measure it against. And so when you let them do that, you you lose control of the price comparison. And they're going to get to assign a judgment of their own to it. They're going to get to say, well, you know, this project is... Well, that's, you know, that's equivalent to, you know, a small car. They'll look for something outside of the service that you're offering to try and attach some value to it. They may compare it to what they have paid in the past. They may compare it to what they've paid other other, uh, service providers in different areas. They may compare it to what they charge themselves. And so your first defense against that is to understand that price and value can only be understood in relation to something else, and you've got to give yourself that measuring stick. And the easiest way to do that is to, in your proposals, never simply give one option. Always give multiple options. In other words, you put the measuring stick that you want them to measure against in your proposal, in your service offering. And often what this looks like is a low, medium, or high option. Uh, Most of the time, you're going to look for three options. Sometimes two will work, but you want to give them good, better, best. And you want to do that in in a very deliberate way. Most often, the option you want them to take is the good option, the middle option. But you've got to have a way to anchor that price. And and the way that you do that is you have a package or an offer that is even more all-encompassing, even higher end, also very profitable for you, and probably very high priced. And by doing that, you give them now a comparison. You give them the top end of the range. If you think of it in terms of a yardstick as the standard, you give them the far end of the yardstick to look at. And then the low-priced option gives them the the near end of the yardstick. And now you're working on this continuum from low to medium to high, all within this range. And so they know, well, here's the most it could be, here's the least it could be, and, and here's this option in the middle that seems to give me the best of both worlds. And you've now given them the ability to process all of this in their mind. And that's probably the biggest factor in in ending up without a price that you like or with ending up with, with price pressure coming back at you, people complaining that it's too expensive because you're allowing them to go out and compare to other things outside of the service that you're offering. So as you think about your pricing and think about your packaging, now all you've got to do, and it's very, very simple to do, is think about Okay, for the service that's going to solve their problem, that's going to give them everything that they need, that's that's my center offer. That's my middle offer. Now, if I made a first-class version of that, if I made the concierge level of that, that is extremely high-end, what would that look like? And how would I price it so that if they took that one, it would be really profitable for me? And really, really valuable for the client. And most of the time that higher end offer, the value is going to come from the experience that they get through it, not necessarily by adding more and more and more deliverables. And I think that's a big mistake that many professionals make is you feel like you've got to just pile on the deliverables, but oftentimes it's more about the experience. So, you know, in, in a service business, are they getting more access to you at that high end? Are they getting quicker access to you at that high end? Are they getting some other perks up there that would be meaningful or be desirable? Again, most people aren't going to take that high option. So it's okay to dream a little bit and to put something out there. Just make sure it's profitable for you. Then if you go to the other extreme, the low end, the low end ought to be the bare minimum that they would need to get a result, the bare minimum. And that needs to be priced profitably as well. And it needs to be priced really fairly close to that middle option that you want them to go after. That middle option should be a no brainer upgrade from the basic offer. It should give them all of what they need because you don't want to leave a client short in any area. You want to give them all of what they need. And also, give it to them in a way that looks like good value. And now you've set yourself up so that they can make this comparison and make it in an educated way. Now, once you've done that, now the other big mistake that I see professionals making all the time when it, when it relates to price is that when they're in conversation with a prospect, most of the time they're pitching. And if you've done the pre-sell, like we d- described in our guide to pre-selling and, and, uh, and, and on the podcast, if you've done the pre-sell right, by the time they're across the table from you, you shouldn't be pitching anymore. They should have made the first purchase, which is buying you, getting to the point where they think, okay, he's my guy, she's my gal, this is who I'm going with, now what's the deal, and does it make sense? And if you're at that point now, you have a very different conversation. You don't have to pitch all the time. You actually get to turn the tables and you get to ask questions, which is the way that you should be running a sales conversation anyway. And you should be digging deep to find out, well, if we transform this problem for you, Mr. Prospect, what's that worth? What change does it make? What if we boil that change down to dollars and cents? What's the impact of it? And you've got to have the, the client, the prospect, go through that calculation in their head. Uh, in fact, you've got to continue asking them, even when they tell you, and they will tell you, gee, I don't know. Then you've got to keep asking questions from different angles until they can understand how that value really translates, what it's really worth to them. If they can't figure out what it's worth to them, then you might not have a good prospect. So your goal is to dig deep to the point that you can understand what is this worth? If we fix this, it's going, to be, it's going to mean X to you. And as long as your price is some fraction of X, you've now again anchored your price, your fee against a much higher number of what it's worth. And if you can do it in these two ways with packaging, and having multiple packages and then anchoring against the real value that the prospect tells you that fixing this is worth now it's a much easier conversation about price so if then if they push back and say well it's still too expensive say well i'm i'm a little confused you just told me that you know <clears throat> that this is worth $100,000 to you in the next year if we fix it and I'm only charging you ten thousand dollars. Where else could you take ten thousand dollars and invest it and get a hundred thousand dollar return? Is it really worth that? And push back on them a little bit. You know, it gives you the ability now to have a a full conversation on price rather than. The prospect simply telling you, well, it's too expensive or, you know, we're going to go with a cheaper option or anything like that. When they're telling you that, you just haven't done your homework in the sales conversation most of the time. And so this is your opportunity with these two pieces to begin to pull this together and begin to give yourself a much better chance to get the fees that you want to get the ones that make you happy, the ones that make you profitable so that you can deliver a service at a really high level for the clients who are going to appreciate it. All right, so we said there were three things. The third is avoiding discounting. Let's cover that next. Okay, so you've got the client close to the end, and they give you that dreaded question. Hey, is this the best you could do? is there anything you can knock off of this? I hate that question. And the the first way around that is confidence. Confidence is the antidote to discounting. If you're confident that there is another opportunity around the corner, you can walk away from a prospect that's asking for a discount. But you need that confidence to deal with the request and the way that you create that confidence is that you have a system for generating leads. And there's lots of systems for generating leads, but you need a system and you need one that's working, that's generating that next person around the corner. And when you get that request and you're confident, then the response is very simple. You simply say, well, you know, this is probably the best we can do. And if you're looking for a discount, maybe we're not a fit if you don't really see the value in this, we we might not be the right people to help you, and that's okay. What you'll find when you say something like that, particularly if you say it from a position of power where you're confident in expressing it, you'll often quickly find that the prospect backs down right then and there. And they'll say something, like, oh, yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. You know, I just thought I'd ask. I said, huh? okay, no harm in asking. This is what we charge. This is how we're going to fix things for you. We've already talked about the value you're going to get from that. This is a really good deal for you. You can re-explain all of that, but hold firm that you're not going to discount. The secret to being able to hold firm is knowing that you've got another opportunity right around the corner. Now, we've already talked about having multiple packages, One of the easiest ways to do that, and it is one of my favorite ways to avoid discounting is in that premium package, you create bonuses and you use those bonuses to take the attention away from discounting. So um, a great example of this is our upcoming book, The Follow-Up Formula, which is, it's really being built with this model in mind. There are going to be versions of the book and starting with just the book by itself, but there'll be a premium version that has bonuses that include templates that people can copy and paste and, um, you know, and blueprints for following up in certain situations. And for some prospects, they're going to look at that and go, well, that's that's worth having. In and of itself, it's worth paying more for. And so they stop thinking about how can I get a discount and they start looking at, oh, I really want this this premium option up here. Um, and you can take that same thinking and apply it to services, particularly as you build out your, your packages, your service level offerings. You can apply that in there and make those things really desirable, I mean, really desirable. The thing that the, that would make your service just an over-the-top success for that client and make it really, really attractive to them. And when you add those things in, now they suddenly focus on what they're going to get rather than how they're going to get a lower price. And so those are really the the three keys to raising your prices. First, dealing with your thinking about money, as we've talked about. Getting all of the garbage in your head around money out of your head. All of the judgments that you have about money and about how other people use it out of your head because they're going to impact your own pricing. Once you've done that, then build a system so that when clients complain that you're too expensive, that you've preempted that, that you're now not giving them pricing in a vacuum, you're giving them options so that they have that yardstick to measure your price against and you're building out those options so that they can choose one, um, based on the value that you're going to deliver because you've had the conversation with them. You've identified and pinpointed exactly what this transformation you're going to create for them is worth to them. And then finally, we talked about how to avoid discounting and really focusing on making sure that you're generating leads so that you're confident that there's another opportunity coming, away, coming along right behind this current one. And if someone really does push for a discount, that you can walk away. You can say, look, maybe we're not a fit. And finally, using bonuses to create premium packages that get clients focused on these really desirable bonuses and take their mind off of wanting discounts. These are some of the best strategies that you can employ to begin today to raise your prices. And I hope they help you. Now, let's take a look at what's going on around the Unstoppable CEO. Last week, we did an all-new webinar on how to attract clients without selling, chasing, or pestering them. And if you missed it, it's available on demand at unstoppableceo.net slash webinar. If you've been on one of our webinars over the last year, uh, this is a a complete revamping of it, new material, um, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. And finally, I mentioned the follow-up formula book. It's not available yet, but if you'd like to be among the first to know when it is available and get early access before the general public, go to unstoppableceo.net slash follow-up formula, and you can add yourself to the notification list there. And if you have any questions about where to find those links, you can just go to this episode on unstoppableceo.net, and they'll be there in the show notes. Until next week, stay unstoppable. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.